Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode number 88 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. My name's Alison Colley. I'm a solicitor and HR specialist and I'm the host of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm also the founder of Real Employment Law Advice, which is a solicitors firm based on the south coast of England, providing advice on employment matters to employers and employees across the UK. I'm pleased to say that this week marks the fourth anniversary of the start of Real Employment Law Advice. And for me, it feels like the four years has absolutely flown by with various challenges and things along the way. But basically, I set up the firm four years ago, left employment, the safety of employment. And now I'm really pleased to say that I employ three other people in the firm and are continuing to grow. So it's a really big celebration this week. And I know I'm actually really guilty of not celebrating successes when I should. So I thought I would mention it on the podcast to say we'll be celebrating in the office this week. And for me, it's a real achievement to reach that four year goal. And as I say, we're looking to expand in the future. So If you are looking for employment law advice, whether you're a business or an individual, then you can contact me. It's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk and we'd love to work with you in our fifth year of trading. So this week's podcast is covering sexual harassment at work and I recorded the main part of the episode a week or so ago at the height of the time when the Harvey Weinstein publicity was taking place around the allegations against him. But subsequent to that, the BBC also did a survey about sexual harassment. So I thought that I would just add the the facts and figures in before I get into this week's featured content. So BBC Five Live undertook a survey of 2,031 adults. And of those, 53% of the women were subjected to some form of harassment at work or in study. And 20% of men, in fact... And that harassment included things like inappropriate or workplace banter and unwanted sexual advances. And of those people, 63% of women didn't report it to anyone, so they just let it go. And 79% of men also didn't report it. So clearly, there is an issue. And with the high publicity issue with Harvey Weinstein, it is now starting to come out of the woodwork And many of you will have seen on social media the campaign hashtag MeToo. And again, that, in my opinion, highlights the depth and breadth of the issue and the amount of women particularly who have been affected by it. And clearly that study shows that men also have been affected, but there is a higher percentage of women. So I think this episode comes at a really poignant time. And hopefully as an employer or HR professional, you will find it quite useful in identifying where your liabilities lie and your duties and obligations lie, but also some tips and hints in how to change the culture within your organisation. So hopefully you will enjoy listening to the episode. And if once you've listened, you do have any questions or you want to discuss or you'd like some help in changing the culture within your organisation, then do get in touch. We'd be happy to help you. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. (music) 
Now, for those of you who have been watching the news over the last couple of weeks, you will have undoubtedly seen the headlines about Harvey Weinstein, the movie mogul, I suppose you call him, who has been accused of various sexual harassment claims by a number of women, uh, both those that are unknown and famous women, actually. Well, with that in mind... I thought that I would give you a rundown about sexual harassment in the UK and particularly what you as an employer needs to think about. Clearly the laws here are different to in the States and in the UK sexual harassment is prohibited by the Equality Act. Now under the Equality Act it states that A harasses B if A engages in unwanted conduct of a sexual nature which has the purpose or effect of either violating B's dignity or creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating or offensive environment for B. A also harasses B if A or another person engages in unwanted conduct of a sexual nature or that is related to gender reassignment or sex. The conduct has the purpose of violating their dignity etc and because of B's rejection of or submission to the conduct A treats B less favourably than they would treat if B had not rejected or submitted to the conduct. So as you can see there are two types of sexual harassment there. There's the conduct in itself, the conduct of a sexual nature which has the impact upon the person who's on the receiving end and then you've also got if the person rejects them and they are subsequently treated to their detriment. So although currently the allegations against Harvey Weinstein are allegations and it's not yet known and they've not obviously been tried or considered but let's just say for hypothetically he's been accused of behaving in a particular manner sexually to women in order to give them jobs essentially. Now if in the UK somebody behaves that way towards an applicant for a job or an application for a promotion for example, and the, let's say the woman says no, and then the woman doesn't get the job because they've said no, then that would also be covered by the definition of harassment under the Equality Act. So there are two types of protection there. Now, I would like to think that in this day and age that it doesn't happen too often in this country. Um, However, I think that might be quite naive. And there may be instances where it's not quite so obvious that there is this kind of harassment taking place. Now, as an employer, as a manager or as a HR professional, you have an obligation to take action and to investigate when there might be allegations of sexual harassment within your organisation or business. And it's very important that you do, not only from a legal perspective, but clearly from a moral perspective and generally being a good employer. I often talk about reputation and the impact on your business commercially in relation to the way that you deal with employees and this is one of those things that could be really fatal to a business if allegations of the nature that are happening to Mr Weinstein come out against somebody in your business. What's quite interesting to note about sexual harassment and that which many people don't realise is that Just a one-off incident can amount to harassment. It doesn't have to be something that happens continuously in order to constitute harassment. It can just be a one-off thing. And also the conduct 
doesn't necessarily have to have the purpose of creating the intimidating, hostile, degrading or humiliating environment or violating their dignity. It is only necessary that it has the effect of doing so. So whilst one person may not think they're doing it intentionally, if it has the effect of creating a humiliating environment for the employee, then it would come under the definition of harassment. And when deciding whether it has the impact on that employee, they will look at the actual employee sensitivities rather than the standard persons, I suppose. So it's down to that individual's own reaction to the behaviour as to whether it has the effect of the intimidating or humiliating environment. Now, an example of conduct that could have the effect of harassment is where you have male employees, for example, who have pornographic calendars on display in the office or work environment. This may be harassment of a sexual nature and it's irrelevant in that circumstance that the male staff having the calendars, for example, did not have the intention of upsetting women in the environment. The fact that they had produced the images and put them up on the wall would be sufficient to create a hostile or humiliating environment for female workers. The same could be said for circulating emails of a sexual nature that although they may not be directed at a particular employee, that could give rise to a potential claim. So hopefully you have filters and that sort of thing in place with your emails to stop that kind of material being circulated. But if you did find it was being sent round or there were images being produced or placed in the office, then my advice would be to deal with that as quickly as possible in order to avoid potentially a claim against you. As an example of some cases, there is a case from 1995 in which an employee was referred to as big tits by a manager in front of other people and she resigned and subsequently claimed that it was harassment and was successful. In another case, four waitresses worked in a restaurant which was owned and run by a gentleman and he required them to wear short skirts at work and regularly asked them questions about their sex lives. They sometimes had conversations with him about his own life and they in a way put up with the behaviour from the owner of the restaurant for some time. I understand from the facts of the case that there was a female assistant manager who acted as a sort of a buffer between the manager and the waitresses and then when the manager resigned herself the waitresses brought claims for sexual harassment against the owner of the restaurant. They were successful with their claims at the Employment Tribunal. However, the owner of the restaurant took the case to the Employment Appeal Tribunal and alleged that the Employment Tribunal were wrong in finding that there had been sexual harassment because it had gone on for so long and they had tolerated it. Rather unusual argument, really, to say, actually, I've been sexually harassing them for so long that they've put up with it, they've got no right to claim now. So in the case, the Employment Appeal Tribunal ultimately found in favour of the waitresses 
and said that, in fact, it wasn't any defence to say that they had engaged in some conversations with him about inappropriate personal questions or that they'd put up with it for so long. It turns out that the waitresses were migrant workers and therefore had no certainty of employment and were, in fact, under financial pressure. And therefore, the Employment Appeal Tribunal decided that regardless of them putting up with it, they could succeed with their claims. What the Employment Appeal Tribunal have done in this case is obviously take a realistic view of things and what goes on on a day-to-day basis, namely that these were the victims of harassment, that they had been putting up with it because they needed the work and they needed the money and therefore they were in fear of losing their jobs and losing their financial security if they raised any issues about it before and therefore they shouldn't be precluded from bringing a claim later on. Now, With a claim for harassment, as with all discrimination claims, the employee must bring the claim within three months of the act that they're complaining of or the last in the acts that they're complaining of. Now, in this case, it had just been going on continuously. So they were obviously within time, regardless of the fact that it had been going on for a while. Now, if the harassment had stopped and there had been a six-month gap where everything had been fine, then they may not have been able to pursue their claims because they would likely have been out of time. So a rather interesting case of an employer trying to justify the behaviour by saying it's been going on for a while. And that's certainly the case in the work environment. Just because there has been banter or a level of behaviour that's been accepted for some time, doesn't necessarily mean that that will be a defence or that it won't be harassment if somebody complains. So as an employer or HR professional, what can you do to ensure that your work environment remains discrimination free and that women are, or men and men aren't being treated to their detriment or being harassed? So I would recommend that you have a good policy in place with regards to how you deal with these issues, setting out your zero tolerance of any kind of harassment or sexual behaviour is the first point of call. And then ensuring that everybody's educated in the correct behaviours. It's much harder, I admit, if you've got a working environment which has been developed over a period of time and maybe has the same people working in it and they're all very comfortable with each other to stop that from happening. But it is important to nip it in the bud if there are those kinds of behaviours taking place. You should also carry out exit interviews with staff who are leaving and try to make those as relaxed as possible and try to get employees to open up so that they would disclose to you if there are any potential issues or if there are any issues such as harassment, sexual harassment, why they're leaving or what they think of the work environment. And again, obviously, if you hear anything or see anything or have any inkling that something is happening, then you have an obligation to take action to try to prevent that or at least to get to the bottom of what's happening. So the first step is always knowledge, understanding what your obligations are as an employer, making sure that the employees understand the levels of behaviour and standards of behaviour that are required of them, and then taking action if you understand or think that something is happening within your organisation. As always, if you would like any advice about anything you've heard in the podcast or any specific circumstances in your business or organisation, then I'd be very happy to discuss those with you. You can get in touch with me by email. It's alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. 
We do offer an initial free telephone call for all employers and employees who may be having problems at work or have any particular issues. So don't be afraid to get in touch. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. Don't forget we have a fortnightly newsletter which is available to sign up to on our website adviceforemployers.co.uk Alternatively, you can drop me an email and I would be very happy to send you a copy. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a great week. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.